What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, November 10, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. What's up? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 295 of the Biden-Harris administration, 362 days until the 22 midterms. Follow me on Instagram at TheBobSeska and on Twitter at BobSeska underscore go. All right. Before I introduce today's guest on next week's interview show, we've got the great Dr. Erwin Redliner, the director of the Pandemic Resource and Response Initiative and the senior research scholar for the National Center for Disaster Preparedness at Columbia University's Earth Institute. You know, my old job. You might have also heard Dr. Redliner every Tuesday on the Stephanie Miller show where he's known as Dr. Doom. Well, we're planning to talk with Dr. Doom about COVID and how to navigate the holidays safely. And then on December 1, Wednesday, December 1, we welcome back to the show the great Donna Halper to discuss all things media and messaging. But first, my friend Cliff Schechter is back on the show today. Don't forget to support his podcast, The Unprecedented Podcast, on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network and on Patreon at patreon.com slash unprecedentedpodcast. Link in the description under this episode at bobseska.com. Meantime, if you've got more space in your brain for another web address, uh, please help support this podcast by subscribing at bobseskashow.com. Okay, let's catch up with Bob Odenkirk's voice doppelganger, the great Cliff Schechter. Yeah, I just I read on your Twitter the other day that you showed your 15-year-old gladiator for the first time last yes. weekend. What did he think? Oh what do you think God. of that? He loved it. He's such a smart kid. He's really into history, and he's studying like you know Greek and Roman right now, so he was into it. But he's so much smarter than I was at that age. Like, I mean, he likes, you know, he's a creative type. He's a drummer. Yeah. So he, he you know, he checks out the, the plot, the cinematography, the enjoy. I mean, and that movie is just as close to perfection i think i mean yeah that's just i mean the, the performances the, the filming is beautiful it was awesome was it something he was interested in or you're just like okay now you're old enough you have to see this amazing ridley scott film from like 20 years ago was that it was that the? <laughs> no it was something he was interested in because he, he's because he's taking these subjects yeah it's cool and so he brought it up to me he's like you know dad do you uh He's like, do you like Gladiator? I'm like, do I like it? Dude. <laughs> right. I watched that movie 25 times. 
and every time I love it, you know? And, and I mean, so I was like, right away, I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he got really into it. So it was pretty cool. It's like a feature of our generation. I think more than most, or I should say, starting with like Gen X that we have access to all of these movies on demand now so that we can kind of put together a menu of all the films we want to show our kids and they're all right there. We can show them to them whenever you want. It was like we had to wait for a special case. I remember my dad uh, showing us uh, Pride of the Yankees about Lou Gehrig, you know, the Gary yep. Cooper movie. And yeah, I watched it with my dad, too. Yeah, we could only see it when it came on TV. So it was like a big special occasion. But now we've got literally every movie in the world at our disposal that we can show to our kids and then blow them out of the water. I, You know what? I think uh, Generations Now are going to have a greater appreciation for film because of that and because of the fact that they have much greater access to technology to make their own movies, which is kind of exciting, yep. too. I think all that, because people can do you know can do so much better filming and scripting mm -hmm. and whatever on their own, yeah. totally that's part of it because just the technology is so much better. The, the filming itself is, is so much better. Um, but I really do. I think having access to that, and let's just be honest, like, you know, the networks, you, you I mean, especially when you and I, we're growing up and we even had to watch that stuff with our parents usually was on a network, yeah. which meant, you know, an hour and 15 minutes or however long those movies were back then were like, it was like three hours long because <laughs> right. of the commercials, right? <laughs> yeah. The commercials would break up all the good stuff and mm -hmm. they'd cut out anything like the, you know, Oh, somebody was somebody that they showed a boob, cut it out. Somebody <laughs> yeah. said a bad word, cut it out. You know, I mean, you know, my kid's 15. I warned him because if you've seen gladiator, you know, there's a pretty, pretty rough scene with what they do to his family oh yeah and of course i warned him about it and, and he was okay i was like he doesn't get grossed out easily and i was like look the emotional stuff is the tougher stuff there this is his family mm -hmm. yeah. you know and, yeah. and and but i mean but I, I would much rather do that you know than have them make a decision for me like and say and eh, now you can't see it we're not gonna let you guys see that stuff and so this way if he wasn't ready for it i wouldn't have had him see it you know? Yeah. You know what I think about too, Cliff, is uh, your kids' generation, and, and certainly my niece as well, everyone coming up in the, in the past 20 years has grown up around cameras, video cameras, all the time. Uh, you know, there's a great Norm McDonald joke where he's talking about, you know, remember your great grandfather? Uh, and, you know, in that generation, they had, each person had one picture of themselves, and it would take them several hours to get that one picture. But now, yep. like, future generations are going to be like, hey, you want to see 100,000 photos of my grandfather? <laughs> and so I wonder. I mean, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, that's why it's funny. I, I don't think we've all kind of figured all that out, you know? I know. Uh, in some ways. Like, I, I try to, to, you know, I, I, I jump right in with new technology and love that stuff. But I remember a couple, you know, however, way back when, when I was putting stuff up much more often on Facebook. I don't do that nearly as much because I hate that guy. Yeah. Um, but you know, sharing stuff of pictures of my kids and all this stuff and, and, and never thought like, well, that's going to be out in the public domain now, like forever, mm -hmm, you know? Right, right. And so I've sort of been like, I want to take pictures, but I also want to kind of keep in mind that, you know, it's also not the way it was when we were kids in that yeah. you screw something up on a picture that three people see. That's one thing. Now it's like texted out to everybody. And, you know, yeah. I wonder too, what kind of psychological effect that has in the long run of constantly being, in public view. I used to always think of 
radio broadcasts, and you know, I came up in radio, and one of the things that uh, I used to be a part of in some way was, uh, you know, a local AM radio station broadcasting the local high school football games. I was participating in it in the broadcast, but at the same time, I'm going in the back of my head. Is this really good for kids to have this kind of public scrutiny? I mean, it's hard enough to be a teenager, but to add that public view of everything you're doing, or most importantly, everything you're doing wrongly, is that psychologically damaging in the long run with the prevalence of cameras and social media and all the rest of it? I always think about that, and obviously in the context of your kids, I mean, they seem really well-adjusted. I just wonder what the long-term ramifications are. Well, you haven't seen all, all the the. Bo- bodies they're hiding in the background and stuff that I don't want you to see. Right. That's I mean, right. I forgot. I yeah, hide the good yeah. stuff. Yeah, Cle- Cleta Mitchell is crap. up in the, uh, is, is tied up in the attic somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, like I love the joke about it, but it is true. Right. It's, it's sort of, um, I think Chris Hayes, it may have been wrote this really interesting piece for the Atlantic yeah. of kind of like what, what it's like when everybody has a little bit of fame, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it, like, like history of the last 50, 75, whatever years, you know, go back further is there being more and more people who belong to the famous club, you know, based upon in many cases, nothing. Yeah. Accidents of, of history or, you know, your name happens to be Kardashian or whatever the hell it is, and you've accomplished nothing. You know, it used to be it was like you were a boxer or a baseball player or president of the United States, you know, or mm-hmm. a famous actor, maybe a singer. And that was it. Yeah. You know, and now it's 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 something where, you know, in, you even choosing to go on Facebook or Twitter, you don't know. Like, you may not intend something to go viral, mm-hmm. and it does. Yeah. And suddenly you got more fame than you bargained for. And we all know what that's like. You and I, we voluntarily went into this craziness. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're, we we have all of, all of, you know, the little little minions of, of the obviously very muscular Ben Shapiro come <laughs> after us. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, right. And, and try and insult us. And like, you know, I can, as I just <laughs> offered, I can give as good as I get. So I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. you know, they can come after me all they want, but, but you know, not everybody does sign up for that. Right. They maybe just want to participate a little bit in the conversation and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And before you know it, I mean, I think of a few of the cases where somebody has had something, you know, they totally didn't expect an awful happen because maybe they, one second of bad judgment, but on Twitter, I'll never forget that woman. And I read the story later, the one that made like the, you know, so the thing about AIDS and being white oh, and yeah. then was flying to Africa <laughs> and everybody was sitting there counting when her plane was going to land as this thing was going viral and she was offline yeah. and she got fired from her job. And her whole thing was she was trying to be sarcastic. She's like, well, I won't get AIDS because I'm white, which is an awful thing oh, to say if you're being serious. Right. Yeah. But she was being sarcastic. She was actually trying to make a point. She just didn't make it well about what bullshit it is. That, you know, that uh, 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 policies we had that weren't taking care of minority groups and whatever, and mm-hmm. that she was much safer. You know, she gets off a plane and this thing's been shared by, you know, there was, I feel like that was during Twitter's infancy. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, millions of people have seen this thing from this mm-hmm. woman previously who probably had a few thousand or hundred followers. And now she's fired from her job and she had to go into like basically into like 
solitary almost for six months to a year. Yeah. You know, and all, I mean, like it has the power to do that. It does. And for good and bad as well. You know, there's always a chance that uh, the generations coming up now with social media and so on, camera phones and all the rest of it are going to be perfectly well adjusted. In fact, better adjusted than we were. But I was watching this uh, YouTube channel called uh, Answers with Joe. It's like an educational kind of science-y, really entertaining and interesting. And he was observing how, hey, you know how when Michael Jackson went nuts and hung his baby out over the railing of that balcony or when Tom Cruise went bananas on the the set of the Oprah Winfrey show or something like that? And we all say, well, okay, that's the consequence of massive global fame. But to a certain extent, we're all receiving some taste of that fame now. And I wonder if that's contributing to our what I've been calling our national nervous breakdown here in the United States, where I think it is. I mean, I don't think we've come close to understanding or I do. Let me rephrase that. I think Facebook, Twitter, I think they fully understand. We know Facebook does. We just like to hide the results of their studies. You know, it, (laughs) it, it, it goes back to like every case of corporate malfeasance in like our history. Right. Like the Pinto. You turn left with the blinker on or whatever it is, and the car hits something and it blows up. It blows up. But we're right. going to hide that. <laughs> or or smoking. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and recently somebody who went across the country to some of these right-wing think tanks and places, you know, which is you can always – it's amazing. You know, I was a historian for a while. Um, and if you go and you, you go to some of these old archives, you'll be shocked at the kind of stuff they just have sitting there mm-hmm. that you can find. And, you know, this guy, I can't remember who, but this was only a few weeks ago tweeted it out like he found stuff the first time he found was 1957 at one of it was either a board meeting or some sort of a conference of oil leaders talking about new new evidence that the earth was warming based upon fossil fuels and you know they found plenty of stuff in the 60s and 70s up into the 80s and you know these guys knew it they've known they've known what's been going on for a long time now Mm -hmm. and and you know they just chose to deny it because money and and so we don't know what Twitter and Facebook are doing to us. I mean, mm-hmm. Facebook has shown again and again, and we do know that in some ways, I mean, there, there have been genocides going on in Ethiopia and in Burma yeah. and in places where they've used Facebook to help kill people. I don't know how much more evil it gets to than at least to me, because I have a soul, unlike Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. but knowing that your product was used to murder innocent people children and whatever we know that like instagram is is back to it was so much better for you know like our country the world mm-hmm, yeah. when 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 like heroin chic for like jeans ads went out mm-hmm, stopped having these mm-hmm. women that like weighed negative 14 pounds so that everyone else would have a horrible self-image and now that's happening again on instagram and they wanted to give that to kids you know so we don't know all of this stuff and i gotta believe like god who knows what it's doing to us yeah honestly yeah. I mean, psychologically and as a group, you know, as a group individually, I don't think we're going to fully understand until the future when either what they know now leaks out or, or it just becomes too overwhelming. You know, it's like concussions in football. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's another good example. In fact, I was thinking about Facebook and the genocide in Myanmar. And how do you atone for that if you're a staffer or Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook and your platform was used, exploited to engage in genocide that would destroy a normal person with normal values. I mean, look, we can talk about the responsibility that Facebook as a corporation has, but then how do the individuals 
cope with that? How do they live with that? The phrase is, how do they sleep at night knowing that their work was abused that way? So I'd love to answer that, but I don't know the answer because I couldn't, you know? And I'm putting myself up as some, you know, like paramount of like all that's wholesome and good. Mm -hmm. I got my bad sides like anybody else. (laughs) Impatient as hell, Bob. I drive too quickly. I got a temper sometimes. Yeah, God, we have so much in common. Bad qualities for you that I have, (laughs) but I do have a conscience and a soul, Mm -hmm. and I can't even fathom like, you know, knowing that something you created is directly responsible. Not like kinda. Oh, you couldn't see it coming. Yeah, kind of thing. No, they used your tool to organize each other and and, and entrap people and murder them. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just no. So I don't know the answer to that. I know that like at least a few people. How do you atone? The only way you atone is if as soon as possible, you do what the most recent whistleblower did and you get the hell out of there and you expose them. I think she's atoned, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think, I think, and I think hers, whatever money she makes off of it or whatever, you know, you know, in the end, what she's done, at least to me, seems pretty genuine in that she came out and tried, you know, and she brought up these various things that I'm bringing up now that she saw they were doing. And it's, it was once that like they provided all this information and Facebook's like, nah, that'll lead to less engagement. Yeah, what's a little murder between friends and, yeah, you know, yeah. suicide because of your self-image and, you know, anorexia. and I mean, child trafficking. They, they were using it for that in certain yep. parts. Of the, I mean, you know, uh, that. so that's my, you know, my reaction to the whole thing is, is Zuckerberg, there is no atonement. Mm-hmm. He's an evil little piece of shit. I can say that on your show. I forget. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to have to apologize. He is, you know, he is what he is. And I always say to people, you know, we always look for these, this deep, you know, we try to dig deep into like, how did this happen? How did this person become like that? I didn't know it. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I always try to say the same thing, which is people, most people don't change. Yeah. I've seen some, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, someone like Joe Walsh, who I really think legitimately changed from yeah. the type of guy he was. That's an incredible example. And I think there's some others like that. But for the most part, 95% of us, maybe more, it's baked in what we are. This dude founded the precursor to Facebook was Face Mash, where we were sitting there basically rating the looks of all the, the women at Harvard and calling them ugly and dog faces and stuff because mm-hmm. he was a little incel loser who couldn't find a girlfriend. Right, right. Right. I mean, that that's the that's the the so he hates women because of it. He clearly has a misogynist streak and he clearly has a chip on his shoulder against the rest of the world because of his low self-esteem. Yeah. I mean, he's never going to be anything but that guy. So to think that suddenly he's going to become a well-adjusted human who doesn't need to have power. You know, it's not even about the money. It's about the power. Mm-hmm. Because it's about the money. The dude could have said, screw it long ago and walked away. Yeah. Like, like basically everybody else who was on that founding team at Facebook did. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, there's a CEO mentality that I think we've witnessed here for quite a long time, certainly prior to Facebook. And the CEO mentality here is, Nothing matters except the bottom line. Nothing matters except keeping the board of directors and the investors happy. Everything else below that is fair game. We don't care if we're dumping PCBs into the ocean. We don't care about any of this shit. As long as we're making money for our board, as long as we're making money for our investors, that's all that matters. That's the CEO psychopathy that we're dealing with right now. And we see it certainly illustrated with Mark Zuckerberg. And I'm afraid of my worst days cliff i'm afraid that we're in a post accountability era you know i always look to uh, a movie like for example the fisher king the jeff bridges robin williams movie and the inciting incident of that movie is that this dj 
triggers this guy to go in and shoot up this posh nightclub. And, right. you know, he ends up confronting one of the victims later just by happenstance. But in the meantime, is completely devastated by the fact that his words caused this gun massacre in this nightclub. And it's so unusual now to see that, especially when you look at guys like Kyle Rittenhouse bawling his eyes out in court today. And he that goes, was even real, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I know, I know. I could totally see uh, Saul Goodman coaching him on that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But he, I mean, no, and, you're right. Yeah, and he wasn't yeah, crying because of his victims. He was crying because of himself. We're lacking a level of accountability here that we can also apply to COVID and so on. But, you know, in Rittenhouse's case, such pathetic crying and performance art for the jury, huh? Yeah, I mean, I... I I don't believe it was legitimate. It looked kind of fake. But in the end, your overall point about the lack of accountability, I mean, you know, absolutely. And I mean, I don't know. I I worry that we're well beyond that phase. Mm -hmm. And we're just we're at a place now where the rule of law just simply doesn't apply to everybody. Yeah. And, And I'm hoping I'm proven wrong. Prove me wrong, Merrick Garland. Yeah. I'm getting sick of waiting, quite <laughs> there frankly. You go. Yeah. Yeah. As a supportive you know, guy of, of the Biden administration who actually worked, you know, doing ads for them to help mm-hmm. get them elected. I'm certainly not someone questioning. I think Biden overall has done a fantastic job, even if he hasn't messaged it as effectively as he should. But yeah, I think overall, <clears throat> you know, it's been it's been great. But I mean, Merrick Garland, I mean, I can't imagine being more disappointed. I just I can't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know what is going on at this moment, but but um, the thing about about this, and we're talking about these people that lack any conscience or lack accountability for their actions. The thing is, is that is not only if when people lack accountability for their actions, will they do the same thing again? But they will inspire others. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the story of history, and it, it will make things get worse and worse and worse. Yep. And you know, there's no way we come out of this in a positive way if Steve Bannon is not arrested mm-hmm. for, for ignoring a subpoena. Yeah. The judge just full, also thoroughly rejected the, their ridiculous claim of executive privilege, which wouldn't have even covered his conversations with, you know, outside of the White House. He wasn't working at the damn White House at the time. Uh, I mean, the whole thing is ludicrous, but even if, if, if he'd gotten executive privilege, it still wouldn't have included a bunch of those things and still wouldn't have given him the right to not show up to a congressional subpoena. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what the what the fuck this guy's doing. Honestly, I've tried to be patient, but I, I'm 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 getting there. I'm really losing losing my temper on this. You know, <clears throat> I mean, we've got a we got a we've got the doomsday clock ticking here. Do we know who the USA so, is in D.C.? Do we know who the U.S. Attorney is who would be prosecuting Bannon? Because I think maybe question. It's possible that know. could be the hang-up. It, it might not even be Maine DOJ. It might actually be the U.S. Attorney okay, that that's is fair. waiting. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I don't, I'm not a demagogue. Like, I don't want to come out there, and that's why I try to wait for a while first because I can't stand the people that just want to come out right away and blame anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, get their clicks up and start screaming and yelling about somebody. You know, who's who's awful and whatever. That's not the way I I, I try to do things. But I, there is a point where it's like my patience is growing thin. Yeah, you know, and I mean, this is this is it isn't even about Steve Bannon. I hate the guy. I'd love to see him in prison. There'd be shot and fruit, but it's really not about that. Mm-hmm. It's about the fact that, that, that these guys did it during the entire, all during all of impeachment, those trials ignored subpoenas. And if we're going to show them that no subpoenas will ever be enforced. I mean, it's like, I see them issue these new subpoenas like they did. And it's supposed to excite me, you know, the last couple of days. Why would it? 
Yeah. Because I just assume none of those guys are going to show up. And until the moment Bannon's arrested, then my, you know, then why do I have any reason to expect any of the rest of them to show up? Yeah. And you know what I'm hoping for, Cliff, is I'm hoping for a just a killer one six committee report that will lead to the application of Section three of the 14th Amendment. I mean, those are the scalps that I'm looking for. The people who are currently in elected office, people who are former elected officials like Donald Trump being stripped of their ability to hold office and to run for office again. I mean, it's right there in the Constitution, one of the post Civil War amendments and it's all laid out and all it requires is a majority vote in each chamber and it's bye-bye to all of these noisemakers who plotted to help those insurrectionists allegedly and that's where i'm hoping the real accountability is i certainly hope steve bannon goes to prison for contempt that'd be great and what i'd like to also find out and i probably should have this information at my disposal is how long this process usually takes to play out between the criminal contempt referral and DOJ taking action or not. Because I know, like, back, the last time uh, the Democrats did this was Bill Barr. They passed criminal contempt right, referral to... he wasn't. Yeah. And, that, and I admit, like, look, I'm not, I'm not an expert in every procedure, although I thought there were inherent contempt... Uh, there was the inherent contempt clause that Congress could actually, without the Justice Department, have these guys arrested. But, you know, I'll mm-hmm. admit, like, I don't freaking know every little last aspect of this yeah but what i do know is like we're, we're, you know then the thing merrick garland could be doing i mean Barr wouldn't shut you know wouldn't close his yappity jowls there and just stop talking the entire time he was there why isn't merrick garland out there telling us what the hell's going on because yes. obviously we all have questions and obviously this is beyond like some little exercise and sitting there rooting for someone to go to prison so we can so we can laugh at them and you know and, and be cruel this is about our democracy yeah. It's about a much bigger thing that we care about. And, and you know, basic communications tells me the guy could, could know that that we're in pretty serious times. We had an attack on our capital for the first time in 200 years. And that would that to me sort of merits it having once a week a press conference to kind of even if it lasts five minutes to tell us to show us that you actually are paying attention to it. You're working on it. You know, you are trying, you are prosecuting people, you're investigating people, you're going to make sure that those who committed acts of, of sedition and violence and, and the rest are going to pay the price. Mm-hmm. Just right. reinforce that to us so we know there's something going on, you yeah. know, and, and they just, they aren't doing that. And that really ticks me off. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. It seems like that would be the process. Like, okay, we're checking this out. Here's where we are in the process. And um, we're not getting that. We're not getting that information at all. And that's why I think a lot of people are starting to rightfully uh, lose their patience. And I'm, I'm trying desperately to maintain my level of patience with this because, you know, I want to see this happen with due process intact. I want to see this happen with the rule of law intact. We've seen this time and time again, Cliff, for the past five years, which is Trump people running out the clock. And time expires for this 1-6 commission as of whatever it is, January 6th of uh, 23. I mean, we've got a little more than a year to go before it's possible that this Congress gets adjourned and replaced with a bunch of Republicans. And that's bye-bye-bye 1-6 committee. So, right. yeah, the time, the clock is ticking. The time is now. What the hell is going on? Well, and that's the thing. Like, I just want to see us, you know, I mean, not not sort of gratuitously 
ridiculously, you know, and behave the way the other side behaves. Mm -hmm. But I want to see us as effectively pursue the truth as they pursue lies and conspiracy. Yeah. You know, and again, what we do will have an enormous impact on the future. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, sorry, I'm tempted to go back to my, my, uh, my quote from the gladiator. What we do today will ring an eternity. I can't help it. Sorry. Yeah. That's what happens when you see the gladiator. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for the callback. That's awesome. Great. Um, but I mean, that's the thing, like, you know, it, it's going to have an impact on future generations. Mm-hmm. It's going to, I mean, we, we need to, at the very least show that we have the, the, the spine for this, yeah. you know, and like there've been the thing about, you know, you and I is we've got a longer perspective on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can take this back to the Bush administration and oh, ask yeah. the question of how many times have we seen people commit overtly criminal acts and just walk away from it? Mm-hmm. Scott free. Like there is a point where, I mean, we're, we're, you can be as, as, you know, earnest as you want to be. Eventually you maybe just, just become a cynic because it's like, what, what are we doing here? You know, Bob Mueller didn't do what was advertised and what was right there in front of him. Certainly the, the, you know, some of the, uh, uh, what do you call it? And now it's not coming to me. Of the, course, the Bill but, Barr letter, the uh, Bill Barr letter. That yeah, I mean, there was the, the yeah. Barr letter, and you know, and and there was all, all the different ways that they were trying to hamstring the investigation, mm-hmm. and they could have been charged with. And you know, well, that's not for me to decide. Kind of was for you to decide, yeah. actually. You know, and mm-hmm. and then there's an impeachment hearing in which the Republicans behave in completely bad faith. Um, you know, won't allow witnesses. Most of them are, have admitted from the outset that they're not actual jurors of this thing, that they're against it. And then we get, you know, Diane Feinstein, like hugging Lindsey Graham at the end, the spectacle of just making me want to puke. <laughs> right. Well, this is, this is one of the best impeachment hearings I've been a part of. Like, okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. Good to know. Die fi. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and now this, and I mean, you just, you just, the, the sort of the, the lack of willingness to step up, I'm sorry, but kick someone in the in the freaking family jewels just mm-hmm. starts pissing me off after a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they not again, not so I feel good about things, but you know, the rule of law, democracy, mm-hmm. that stuff that we were taught to believe in. Um, so that's what I want. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think we can all do more to encourage our, uh, you know, our Democratic elected officials to to step up and, and fight a little harder. And the advantage that we have is that um, we don't need to make anything up. <laughs> We've got a lot of truth, evidence, facts, exactly. reality on our side to make uh, valid arguments and valid arguments that stick to the wall. We just have to bring the heat to back up all of that crap, to frame it in just the right way. And uh, here's That's what I keep saying. COVID corruption and Q. Yeah. That, that perfect. The frame yeah, yeah. Of, of who they are and of everything that is wrong with them and everything they've done to our America. And, you know, any new time, one of them, Paul Gosar, mm-hmm. you, know, d- you know, threatens AOC's life with this thing that falls under Q. Right. DeSantis gets up and says something stupid. And as, as COVID is surging in Florida, well, that's obvious. I mean, these are, these are, these things have led to, to the sort of the harm of our country. It's led to individual casualties. It's an easy frame for people to understand who they are and how awful they are and that they have no intention of governing, don't even believe in it. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be framed and it needs to be repeated. And it drives me nuts too, Cliff. And this is something that goes back to blogosphere 1.0 during the Bush administration, when sometimes I think we as liberals slash Democrats slash whatever, 
we tend to watch a lot of pitches whiz on by without bothering with them. I mean, juicy fastballs right there in the middle of the fucking strike zone. And exactly. here's an example of letting a pitch whiz right past us without even uh, blinking. And that is Yunkin's kid committing voter fraud last week. But, you know, Ted Cruz comes along, trolls Big Bird, and we all take the bait on the Big Bird thing instead of blasting the Virginia Republicans and the Trump supporters for literally engaging in voter fraud <laughs> during well, the, the kid, Virginia election. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, these, this is a part. I have no sympathy for him. He's 17. Mm-hmm. He's old enough. This is a party that is, has, has decided that they are going to suppress the votes of all sorts of people based upon the complete fallacy that there's widespread voter fraud, which is a joke. Yeah. But all, every time an individual case comes up and they've called for people to be prosecuted and, oh, my God, well, every time an individual case comes up, it's one of them. Here it's Youngkin's son. Prosecute him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because you would prosecute me. Why does he get special you know, compensation. Why does he get a special sort of or dispensation? Because he's he, he's Glenn Youngkin's son. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've made this the big issue. Prosecute him. And you know what? Look, whoever the U.S. attorney is there should do that on their own. They shouldn't require public pressure to make those charges stick or to even engage in some sort of investigation. But I also think that we don't apply enough pressure when it comes to some of these things. Like I said, we let them go by with barely blinking. And, you know, I I was thinking about this, too. If Hillary Clinton had launched a media company, Cliff, and that media company went public on the NASDAQ, you better believe the Trumpers on Reddit, the, you know, the Joe Rogan crowd and so on would gather together. And in one big move, almost like the uh, GameStop thing, they would short sell the shit out of Hillary Clinton's media stock, dragging it down, dragging the stock price down and kind of screwing it over before it's even launched. And (laughs) we let these things go by without much comment or outrage when they happen and we're just like, huh, crickets chirping. <laughs> Drives me bananas. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And sometimes I, I, I do. I'm harsh on on us, but I do think some of this still comes down to like, I don't know what world our funders are living in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, somebody yeah. brought this us up to me, a friend who worked for the Obama administration, um, and and the other day, and he's sort of an expert in, in you know, certain kinds of online marketing and whatever. And he was like, you know, and, and he was just, again, making this point in general, right, which is the money that was spent, you know, and I don't want to pick out any individuals because I don't want to pick on people. But let's just say some of those Senate races where we fell in love with candidates in very hostile states, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, two years ago and had really no chance of winning. Yeah. Amy McGrath and, and people like that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, but I mean, it well, it could happen with the current chair of the DNC sure. right, in South Carolina. And it happened. And I mean, some of these folks raised 50, 100 million dollars, mm-hmm. you know, that that was just thrown out into the ether. I mean, consultants like me got rich, you yeah. know, on yeah. it. Not me personally, sadly, because I wasn't on those. Um, <laughs> nobody, nobody pays me that much. Trust <laughs> me. Um, but. We, you know, I not not you know, consultants got rich. TV stations got great ad revenue, and they got rich. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you imagine, like, why one funder on our side can't sit there and be like, "What could we do with a fifty or a hundred million dollars?" Oh yeah, put into a venture. 
I mean, Murdoch was playing the long game there. Mm-hmm. That Fox News didn't make any money for the first 10 to 15 years, 10, 12 years, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it went on, it came out in 93, 94. I don't think it made a profit to about 2007, 2008, something like that. I mean, I'm in the general range. I don't know if I have the exact years right. Like someone who sees that this is a longer term venture, mm-hmm. you know, and that you've got to get a, a couple of these billionaires on the left, like they could do so much more putting that kind of money into creating a network. Yeah, yeah. That would have the kind of influence of Fox and creating even more publications where people were just paid to write and, and buying up books like yeah. the other side does. Right. You know, I know I wrote a book once. No, you know, the only people that bought my book were the people that I convinced to buy my book. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no left wing organization went and bought 10,000 books or whatever. It didn't happen. <laughs> no, same here. Um, That's for yep, certain. You, yeah. You've been through it too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we both things we, we they do on their side. Yeah. We both yeah, published ahead. the same year, in fact. And uh, yeah, there was no wealthy financier mass buying, like bulk buying our books. No way. No, and I mean, I'm just saying all these things they do. I mean, they create polling companies, Rasmussen, Trafalgar, these right-wing liars to skew the results. I mean, they they will hack any part of our system they can. Yeah. And they will spend whatever money it takes to do it. And like, we're just like, all right, we'll put money into candidates each election cycle. You know, and and we've created a couple of nonprofits here and there, and there's some that already existed that we've, you know, that we've enhanced your Planned Parenthoods or every town for gun safety. And those are good organizations, but yeah. it, it, I'm not saying taking anything away from them, but like, we just, we don't sit here and constantly just support people so that, and that some of those folks disappear, but it also helps control the narrative. It also helps us focus on stuff because if Fox wants to focus on CRT as they did leading up to the election, it doesn't matter if it's in the news or not, because they're not mm-hmm. devoted to news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they did, a, somebody did an analysis of how many hours they spent on bogus CRT stuff. And I don't remember the number. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they do the same thing with Benghazi, you know? And, and so we're missing that, all that infrastructure. Do we have some, I mean, you know, it was great that Ariane Huffington did what she did and Huffington Post was created originally. And I think that's still you being one of the originals there, Bob. I mean, they yeah, we both changed, were, weren't we? Yeah, I think we were yeah, both uh, I, I, early adopters. I was there early on. I think you yeah. were there even before me. But I, it still is a place where there's a lot of liberal, you know, thought and commentary. And, and mm-hmm. they're allowed to actually cover issues from, you know, not in a, a bullshit, you know, he said, she said perspective. Yeah. I'm not saying like, the, you know, Media Matters, obviously, Center for American Progress. I'm not saying nothing's created on our side, but we, what they've done just dwarfs it. Mm-hmm. And people like you and me, are, you know, are the lucky ones. Like we've been left to our wits to kind of find a way to have a voice, but also make a living. And we've been able to do that, thankfully. But, you know, for every two, one or two of us, I can find you 10 or 20 more people. I can tell you who I knew back in the day were in Washington when I was there and now are off doing, they're off somewhere selling real estate or they went <laughs> yeah. back to school to be a professor mm-hmm. or, you know, a million other things because they couldn't make it in this line of business because none of our people, we don't have that support network where people say, you look like you're talented. You've got a voice that is important. We want to have you out there. So here, we're going to introduce you to people at Fox News where you'll you'll get a contributorship. We'll give you an endowed chair at the American Enterprise Institute for 125 grand a year where you'll just be paid to sit there and think. We'll expect you to publish articles and you'll be paid well for those articles too mm-hmm. in the National Review and whether garbage, the Daily Wire and Daily Beacon and free this and daily that and garbage fucking hole this or whatever. They're, <laughs> they've got a million publications that all blend into each other. It's just fucking, you know, they all like, they all bleed into each other, right? It's yeah, like they all yeah. congeal. It's a one big like freaking uh, 
spaghetti monster. Um, and yeah. then they, you know, they've, they've, and, and then, oh, well, Fox isn't enough. Hey, let's create Newsmax. Oh, wait, Newsmax is enough. Let's create OAN. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and there's money behind all of these things. Yeah. Um, I, I, there, it's just, I wish we could have anything close to that dedication because I do think, you know, I belabored this now and I'll shut up about it, but it goes back to the point that you were making before, which is we move on quickly. It would be easier not to move on something like Glenn Youngkin if there were dedicated networks, channels and whatever yes. to staying on that. Well, look at the the whole Red Hat movement, the conservative entertainment complex. I mean, there are dozens of, I don't know what you would call them, influencers, messengers on the Red Hat right who were paid to basically be PR flax for the movement. I'm talking about Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk and all of the usual weirdos and freaks who on a daily basis are out there spreading the word for this cockamamie bullshit movement. You know, prior to Trump, prior to this whole, uh, you know, industry, this entertainment industry rising up, they didn't give a shit about conservative politics. I can tell you that Candace Owens has already admitted to one day being a liberal and then the next day, waking up and saying, I'm a conservative. Gee, I wonder what happened on that day. A nice did, paycheck will do that for you. Yeah, well, exactly. trying to be an actor or something? Yeah, I don't know I mean, what it was, but she, she, I think they, just the contract kicked in on that day. You know what well, I mean? But there's, but, but there's this whole industry of failed like actors and comedians on yeah. the right. Oh, yeah. Dana Loesch was like pitching people to, 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 to a TV show. And mm-hmm. Breitbart, who was out in LA in the first place because he was trying to make it as an actor and failed. Yeah. <clears throat> Kurt Schleister, that little douche who, you know, <laughs> who trolls people on Twitter. And like, I mean, I mean, one time I got him so angry, it was pretty funny because I just uh, mocked too. him. Because he had former, you know, he's like former stand up comedian. And every time, you know, he's, and he, I got him to take it out of his bio. So every time he'd say something, I'd be like, wow, that's so, that's so funny. Just like a former stand up comedian would say, what happened to the gig? <laughs> you know, why aren't you yeah. still doing it? I mean, <laughs> Right. I mean, like they're, they're failures because they're not funny and they're not interesting. And then they get a chip on their shoulder and it's easy to take right wing money. What's well, like uh, Glenn Beck used to be a morning show DJ and he just decided, hey, look, right. all the money in talk radio is happening on the conservative side now. But I mean, none of this would happen, whether it's Candace Owens or Glenn Beck or any of the others. None of it would happen without their wealthy financiers, their Cokes and their Adelsons and so on. How the hell do we identify the Cokes and the Adelsons on the left so that we can tap into that financial resource and build up a messaging machine, an independent messaging machine that's apart from the Democratic establishment that can actually help get that message out? We were talking about in the wake of this most recent election, messaging, messaging, messaging. But we've got to have more support for the messengers in order for the word to get out successfully. And I don't know and, where and to know, start on that front. No, I don't either because there's so much to do. And I don't know who the, I mean, I can think of a few folks who have lots of money and spend it on stuff. I mean, Tom Steyer does, you know, Warren Buffett Warren does. Buffett, I mean, there yeah. are people that spend, you know, but, but they, they would, we would be much better served if they spent it on this stuff. Yeah. Uh, on building infrastructure. Cause again, mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, the messaging stuff, it's about repetition. It's about research and getting the right message so that no, not so, not so you're lying to people or cheating or tricking them like the right does. So that you're finding the, the best way to explain what you know is good policy mm-hmm. so that it will get across to them, you know, what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, which doesn't happen when you have a seminar, you know what I mean? Like it needs to be in clear and concise messaging. And we, we, we just fail to do that a lot. And I do, I think that comes with the infrastructure not being there too. Um, 
I mean, so how to get them to do it? I don't, I don't know what the answer is to that because I've been yelling about it both publicly and privately mm-hmm. to people I know in those circles for a long time now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, nobody seems to want to step up and do it. The only time I can think of, you know, the two times we took a swing at it, Air America, um, and everybody says, oh, well, that was a failure. Uh, well, you know, I'd look at it this way. Um, Air America, because <laughs> of one guy who financially, they picked the wrong accountant who <laughs> robbed them of, I don't know, how many millions of dollars. I mean, there were issues with it. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, Rachel Maddow would not exist without Air America in the, in the form she's in. Tom Hartman would mm-hmm. not exist in the form he's in. Sam Cedar. I mean, go on. A whole lot of people came Mark out Merritt. of there. Yeah. Hell, we had a U.S. senator and Al Franken for a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a lot of stuff came out of that that network. Uh, it created infrastructure is what it did. You know, that, that was the one example. And then I think of current TV, you know, and, and my my criticism there would be, that I just think Al Gore was doing too many things to own that station too. Yeah. You know, I remember seeing at the time he was like, you know, he was teaching back at, uh, at Vanderbilt, you know, back in his home in Nashville, but he was also teaching, I feel like at like Columbia and UCLA and he had his documentary out and he, and he was on the board of Apple in some places <laughs> and he started an environmental organization, which I actually did some consulting for the Alliance for Climate Protection. And it was like, you can't do all that you know, and, and be as effective if you want to grow current TV into something, mm-hmm, right. You know, you got to be there really growing it into something. And so I don't think those should be the kind of ways that, that you look at this. Yeah. You look at it as we, we need someone who's willing to devote the time and resources to this. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need to support people that will pressure the mainstream media so that they're scared of us too. And no, not physically and not, I don't know that enemies of the people crap or whatever, but the right pressure, some calls them liberal all the time. Some of us, you, me, others hit, hit back of them in Twitter, other places. It works sometimes. There needs to be much more pressure on them when they have garbagey stories that are both sides and are bullshit. Oh, yeah. Because they're not yeah. doing their jobs. And, and they need to be reminded they're not doing their jobs. Their job is to inform people in a democracy, not about Republican or Democrat, but who's doing what regardless. And if 89% or 97% or whatever of the bad shit being done is by Republicans, well, that's where the chips fall. Mm-hmm. And that's what you tell people. You know, like that pressure needs to be there. The the bigger microphone, as we said, needs to be there. The messaging regularly, which I think would come with some of the stuff, needs to be there. I mean, we missed the Glenn Youngkin thing, but the Gosar thing. There's literally there's no reason why Gosar should what what he just did should not be brought up every single day between now and the election in 2022. He should never oh, be yeah. able to live that down, and they should all have to answer for him yeah. to the moment he does. Well, uh, here's another one. Uh, Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates the other day were threatening to blow up the Capitol building on Twitter. Right. Uh, Matt Gates was joking about it. Lauren Boebert quote tweeted Matt Gates and said, I'll bring the Tannerite. Tannerite being an explosive. And they were yes. going to blow up the metal detectors at the Capitol building because, you know, the metal detectors that were installed, you know, for security. And so we're going to blow these things up. Ha 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 ha. And uh, yes, you know, again, I mean, that's just utterly hilarious. It goes right wow, on by. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what happens is, Cliff, too, is we got 82 million chefs in the kitchen, but I think finding some uh, financing, some wealthy equivalent financing on the left would create that 
less decentralized message machine that we we're currently using right now, the 82 million chefs, as I said, would be right. congealed down to something that was more cohesive that I think would have more success resonating. Do you understand what I'm saying? And yeah, and I think money would do that. So more investment into that infrastructure would absolutely oh, do absolutely that. Oh, absolutely yeah, believe yeah, so. Yeah. You know, I do. And I think that it doesn't have to be centralized in the way their stuff is. As I said, I think you and I have tried to find that balance. And I mm -hmm. think there's a lot of other folks out there, too, who try to say we're honest people. We also have a side we support because it's the side that, that espouses the beliefs that we you know, the values we have, the policies that we believe work best for the most people. And oh, by the way, it's the group that's in favor of actually having a democracy in this country. So yeah, I'll echo Joe Biden's talking points. I'll help them out on that level. Yeah. Uh, and I'll also, when I don't think they're doing a good enough job on stuff and whatever, I'll be critical, not to demagogue, not to be one of these leftist assholes who's trying to like build my brand by attacking. You know, mm -hmm. I do it in a way where I, where <laughs> I do get exasperated here and mm -hmm. there, as I did on this show earlier with Merrick Garland. And I'll say that. Yeah. But I also point out the good stuff they're doing and i'll admit that i'm supportive and i think networks with money could find that balance you know i think msnbc has found that balance you know mm -hmm. and i don't even watch it that much i just don't watch cable that much but from what i can see it's found that balance where yeah they're not part of the dnc they're critical of democrats and they also realize they need to echo some of it sometimes so absolutely you can find that place mm -hmm. yeah and before we wrap up cliff i want to talk about covid real quick uh we're a couple of weeks out from thanksgiving so i've got covid on my mind today uh and yeah. i noticed yesterday you tweeted quote anyone heard from oan staffers hiding under their desks like the terminators traipsing through the office after reading about the newsmax and fox news staff vax mandates right i find this story <laughs> utterly fascinating cliff are the anti-vaxxers just ignoring Newsmax's newly announced mandate, pretending it doesn't exist like they did with Fox News? Or are they cool with the mandate as long as it comes from their own people? What is it? What is their deal with these mandates where it's bad coming from Joe Biden, but OK if it comes from Newsmax? I think that's what it is. It's sort of a combination of both factors. You said that they are completely willing to ignore it uh, because of the fact that if it's coming from their own people, they're comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, anything we tell them to do is don't tread on me. Oh, you know, you libs, you think you know better. And that's because this propaganda from those very places that are, have these vaccine mandates mm -hmm. is being pumped into their brains all day, every day. Talk radio, Sinclair, Fox, Breitbart, you name it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, on Facebook with Bongino and, and Shapiro, oh my God, what a couple <laughs> clowns no tell kidding. you everything you need to know about about the right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so they're, they're, they're able to get their people to where it's like, you know, to literally like where they're like cavemen. Yeah. Ugh, liberal, bad, conservative, good. You know, and that's, exactly. that's it. Yeah. Right. So conservatives tell them to get vaccine mandates or, and they probably just justified them. Said, oh, well, they have to do it because the liberal press is forcing them to. And, you know, I mean, they, the, the, the mental gymnastics you see some of these folks doing, whether it's the more elite conservatives or it's just regular people in some of these interviews. You know, like it's Joe Biden's fault that with that uh, Donald Trump's really president. Did you see that thing? You know, the guy, what's his name from The Daily Show, <laughs> went and interviewed them like Donald Trump is really still president. It's like, so then he's responsible for the pullout from Afghanistan. Well, that's Joe Biden. But I thought Donald Trump was president. Well, Biden can still do some things, but but Donald Trump's really there. I mean, oh, the, my the, God, the, the sort of damaged, tattered path. They will take their psyche down. <laughs> To justify yeah. whatever they want to themselves. It, it really, it's like we, we need to somehow 
you know, exhume and resuscitate Sigmund Freud yeah. so we can get some answers here. Um, yeah. I think probably they, they probably just want to all have sex with their mother. That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that as an explanation. That's as good as any. It's unfucking believable the cognitive dissonance that we observe on a daily basis coming from those guys. I mean, here's another example, Cliff. Fox Nation. As you know, Fox Nation is the sort of the uh, the insane wing of Fox News Channel. It's even more insane than its parent company, right? Its parent network. Yeah. Well, on November seventeenth, uh, seven days from right now, they're holding the Patriot Awards twenty twenty one in Florida, of course. Ooh. And yes. their, their COVID guidelines are as follows. In order to attend this event, attendee must show either a COVID vaccine card or a negative COVID test 72 hours prior to the event. There will be a mandatory checkpoint on site for all attendees prior to entering the venue doors. You know what this reminds me of, Cliff? This reminds me of the firearm bans during CPAC and Trump rallies. I mean, the more uh, I just think about it. my point. That's exactly what I was about to say. Or the yeah. NRA convention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where it shall not be infringed everywhere else. But as soon as they walk in, okay, here's my gun. I don't care. Right. Yeah. We, exactly. We know that we're completely full of shit and our policies <laughs> don't actually work. So come and come to the place where we lie and scream and yell about how and pretend our policies aren't full of shit while we still have to respect the, the policies that are that actually work. Uh, it, I mean, it, it, it's it's laughable. And yet, like, yeah, that's the thing is that that's where the media pisses me off mm -hmm. because they're never held accountable for right. that. Right. When they both sides everything, it means they're never being held accountable for Quite clearly, they don't even believe in their own shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they won't do it to themselves. And you'd think, you know, with all the liberal hypocrisy, oh, this person is in favor of climate change but flies on airplanes kind of crap. You think that these things would be worth mentioning. And I wonder if they even notice. I mean, at some level, they've got to realize how contradictory it all is. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it's all superseded by trying to own the libs. It's like, oh, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it on our own terms. Fuck you. I mean, that seems to be exactly. the attitude. But thank God for guys like Terry Bradshaw, who totally surprised me this past oh, weekend. <laughs> I didn't think I knew of all the people of all the NFL broadcasters. I never expected that from Terry Bradshaw. I thought he'd be no, the last I mean, he guy. He seems like a good old boy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like hell. I mean, right? I think he's a Republican, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he may be. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, he was in those crazy, what was he in the Cannonball Run movies? Wasn't he in those? <laughs> I think so. I, mean, I think so. I don't think you're allowed to be a Democrat and be in those. Yeah, I so. know. I know. Well, you know, before we wrap up, one thing I've been meaning to ask you about is the Ohio Innocence Project. I just wanted to know how yes. uh, Mark Godsey and the team are doing these days. I mean, talk about a great place to contribute your money. Um, I can't say enough glowing things about that organization. Oh, Such a wonderful, wonderful kind. group. Yeah, We've been lucky yeah. enough. OIP, I, I'm on the board, so I'm saying we, not, um, but I'm not, I'm not a day-to-day -day lawyer like some of the folks um, that Bob's mentioning who are incredible. Yeah. We've been lucky enough to work with Bob on some of our video projects because Bob's brilliant and can help us. And um, <laughs> Thank you. So he's got to see the organization. No, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. you know, the whole thing from Mark having, you know, been a former prosecutor and, and started to question some of the things they were doing and bringing that mindset to this to some of the donors here we've gotten behind it i mean we've just more recently we've had two more exonerations yeah i was just gonna ask um, about that yeah yeah we're pat we're beyond 30 we're beyond i don't know thousand years of of of, of folks freed you know people freed who served that much time that they mm -hmm. should that for not committing crimes yeah um which is a shame as much as it's you know says thank god that we're doing you know what we're doing 
Um, now, nah, I mean, it's easily the purest and best thing I've ever done. So, yeah. it, um, I mean, the people that are there are just dedicated and, and uh, the people that come out of prison are incredible in that they genuinely don't seem to have the kind of anger that you would think you would have for everything. If that doesn't happen in your life, they just want to come out and live their lives. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's an incredible thing to be a part of is really what I can say. So yes, everybody, Ohio Innocence Project, donate. If you're looking for a place to uh, contribute some money, a nonprofit somewhere along the line between now and the end of the year, you've got some extra cash to donate. OIP, Ohio Innocence Project. Holy God. Every time I think of watching those guys being freed from prison, it chokes me up. It's an incredible uh, thing to look at and to, to know that, uh, you know, there are so many lawyers in Ohio who are pooling their resources and in many cases working for free uh, and certainly law students as well to have justice done in Ohio and across the country. It's an incredible no, organization. It's a pretty cool story and a yeah. pretty cool movement and pretty incredible happening in Ohio. It's not to say there in other States, there's some great projects too, but the, the fact that the one here, you know, has taken such a lead yeah. uh, nationwide has been pretty cool mm -hmm. to be a part of. So, well, the podcast is called the unprecedented podcast. That's at patreon.com slash unprecedented podcast. It's a very easy to remember there. Link in the description, of course, under this episode at bobseska.com. Also, everywhere you get your podcast. Thank you so much, my friend. It's great having you back on again. Always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for having me. 